0: Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined, as always, by Mae Finch. Hello, hello. Of course, we have Mr. Will Rotondi as well. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, as you can probably hear from my voice. I (laughs) have been yelling a lot this weekend. Our Jacksonville Killer Queen community hosted an invitational that went very well and was a lot of fun, but uh, there was a lot of screaming involved, and I followed that up by going to a Jacksonville football game, and uh, they won, but also, you know, uh, it didn't do any favors for my voice, so I apologize in advance for the raspiness for this episode. How are y'all doing?
1: Uh, recovering from horror month, honestly, and uh, all the <laughs> Halloween shenanigans. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was going to ask if we're for we're, uh, happy to have something that's not horror. Although, like as we get into this episode, I think you can uh, argue that there's bits in this movie that uh, maybe are a little bit disturbing. But yeah, uh, are, we, are we overall relieved to kind of move to a different genre for a bit?
1: Definitely a nice change of pace for me. As mm-hmm. much as I love horror,
0: I would agree. I'm I'm there with you. Uh, so on today's episode, we'll be talking about Solaris, the original uh, Andre Tarkovsky version, not the George Clooney uh, remake, reimagining, like different adaptation that came out in the 2000s uh, as, as part of our director drill down. So this will be the first of two episodes. Uh, we will, of course, be talking about Stalker as well, but that'll be a separate episode entirely. So um before we do that, I want to hear what you guys have been up to outside of the realm of horror. Uh, if you've been watching anything else, and just do a little classic catch-up. So, uh, we'll. I'll start with you. I'm gonna go like pull a little Audible here. You're at the bottom of my screen, so I'm gonna I'm gonna work from the <laughs> bottom up uh, today. What have you been Sounds watching, man?
2: Ah, uh, catching up on Andor. And when it's not that, um, I have, I go through spells of watching like British panel shows. And uh-huh. I was in need of that for like that dose of of humor. So when I went to go visit my folks this weekend, I introduced them to um, Taskmaster, which if you're not familiar with, I definitely recommend checking out, as well as QI, which is like a sort of like a, uh, a panel show, sort of like there's points but they don't really matter and it's just to test people's general knowledge about interesting things in the world and i have i have loved watching those series before Um, oh oh, geez sorry Ah, a little background noise there Uh, i've (laughs) loved those shows before and so it was a lot of fun to watch my mom like get into that sort of stuff because she loves british television so and i was surprised she never heard of either of these shows but uh they are definitely they're good time So.
0: So two things. Uh, when I hear Taskmaster, uh, Master, all I can think of is like the Marvel villain who, you know, is, like, <laughs> featured in like the Spider-Man games, and then like uh, was most recently in the MCU. I think in the Black Widow movie. Yeah. Um. So like, there's that. But also, uh, kind of a follow up question. Uh, QI. Hmm. I saw a clip recently of Daniel Radcliffe just like absolutely destroying, like, the answer. Like, it was like the most obscure thing like ever and he, mm-hmm. he like he just picks it apart and like i I was just so impressed like I'm like man he must have had like a classical education or something because um he takes something that I think they were planning on 15 minutes of puzzle solving 10 minutes about and he just like nails it on the first <laughs> guess is that that show like I who who hosts it and like what's kind of like the like the four I know you said it's like general knowledge but like well, we mm-hmm. can kind of elaborate and maybe maybe that I can uh,
2: rest my brain knowing that like I've I've correctly identified this British show because it was definitely a British show. That's awesome. uh Well, first off, now I want to Google it too. But uh, so Stephen Fry was the host for um QI for like ages, QI, and yeah. recently Sandy talks took over. Um, after they got up to like, geez, I can't even remember which series it was. Now that they that she sort of made the switch, maybe around like the letter M or earlier. Uh, Because every series, at least these days, it's a letter of the alphabet that they'll do for their subjects every, every uh, season or series. And so uh, it might have been when Stephen Fry was doing it before. Uh, If not, then definitely Sandy, but Daniel Radcliffe, man, I'd have to check. I don't know offhand which one that would have been I think I saw him in a clip recently as well with like Graham Norton, but it was like, ages ago too, like when he was much younger. So I don't know. That's a good question. I will definitely have to get back to you on that, but that sounds I'll amazing. I'll find
0: it on Twitter and post it, but it, like, it's amazing. Cause like, you can definitely tell that, uh, like, I mean, he just nails it, but like that they're, they were expecting to, uh, that to take a little bit longer and like be mm-hmm. a very obscure thing. So um, awesome. It's interesting. I'll have to check out QI though. Like um, for pro- I don't know if either of you know this and certainly our audience probably doesn't like when I was in high school, I was on the quiz bowl team and competed, nice um, nerd. At the, <laughs> nerd awesome <laughs> at, at the national level i competed um took second place uh my senior year in the the national tournament which uh right kind of sucks you know but second place yeah. isn't bad um yeah our little school from charleston south carolina had a really good coach and uh my brain is still filled with the useless facts um that like i i i don't i can't tell you why certain things have stuck but like a lot of things have stuck um and it was a lot of fun so uh qi sounds up my alley uh may what have you been watching well what have you been up to
1: first off i have to say i love finding out which major actors are actually huge geeks um it's always nice but yeah i have not taken a total break from horror because uh i just finished reading shirley jackson's the haunting of hill house And so I really want to jump into the Netflix series, so I did start that I am loving it so far, even though it does go in a very different direction from the novel. Um, On the non horror side, there's a a cute anime called Spy Family I've been watching. Um, It's about uh, a spy an assassin and a mind reader who like pretend to be a family during the day and then go off and do their various things at night. it's very corny and cheesy and cute <laughs> and besides no. that uh not too much watching babish videos because i've decided to finally look to finally learn how to actually cook i also uh bought uh salt acid fat heat to try to improve my skills a bit there
0: i've heard good things about that netflix sh- uh show as well um but i haven't watched it myself
1: I oh no I- I'm, I'm reading the book sorry
0: uh no 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 i know i i was saying like uh i've uh, you know kind of uh relating the two things i've heard good things about the netflix i'm sure the book's excellent as well but uh yeah marianne's a big f- uh, fan of the show they had like an episode per um each of the titular objects there so
1: nice one for i'll salt, have to one check that out salt. next
0: will i will piggyback a little bit i started Andor. i'm like five episodes in i've heard uh, episode six is a masterpiece and yeah. uh uh, I can say like with confidence, like it's um just excellent Star Wars, like and it has its own identity. And I think like uh, I'll say this as a compliment, like it, it at times doesn't feel at all like Star Wars, you know, like other than like tangentially. And I think that's a really good thing. Um, I'm really enjoying that uh let's see i've been uh, watching um i don't know why this happened but i got like a uh just a wild hair to like watch the twilight zone like from start to finish (laughs) for the umpteenth time so i've been working working through that um it's just a comfort show for me and i know it's like disturbing and scary and spooky and weird at times but like i can you know just i can chew through like three or four episodes in a row because i've seen it so often so
1: have you seen the jordan peele reboot
0: I have not. So that was going to, I think, be my culmination is like once I kind of like get like into this, like maybe not at the end, but like once I'm like deep into it, like a couple seasons under my belt, because I think like the first three seasons are probably the best, like arguably uh, maybe like take a like a pause and watch the Jordan Peele. How is it if you've seen it?
1: I haven't. So I was going to ask your opinion.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I don't have one. Um, I was intrigued by it, but it's one of those things where like I'm a little guarded when it comes to that particular ip just because i feel like it was just done so well um at the time and it it feels largely timeless and uh rod sterling's from my my hometown and binghamton new york so like you know um that's a it's kind of a special connection i've actually been to the park that's like kind of the basis for like the you know like town square like in a lot of the episodes uh, and there's a nice little plaque to them and stuff there but um yeah, I'll let you know when I watch the Jordan Peele. Like, I feel like even though I I'm not sure if that's coming back, if it got canceled after one season, um, it's always interesting to see what somebody else does. I've seen the 80s movie before with uh you know a bunch of different actors, including John Lithgow and mm-hmm. um Dan Aykroyd and and some others, and that one's pretty decent. Um, there's sort of four stories told by uh very famous directors like John Landis and Steven Spielberg, uh who famously redid the kick the can episode that's really good and i've seen like a couple episodes of the first revival in the 80s and it's terrible um so i'm, I'm <laughs> i didn't hoping even Jordan know Peel. there was
1: an 80s version
0: <laughs> there was yeah there was an oh, 80s no. revival and it was not good i think it was like based off the success of the film which was actually really well liked uh, because <laughs> it kind of took that anthology um, concept and like had really well-known directors like do their own spin. Some of them were remakes. Some of them were original stories. And for the most part, people really liked it um, and just the eighties revival did not hit. Uh, so well, we'll see. Well, uh, let's, let's um, pivot to a, uh, a side quest. If you guys are ready, it's been a while since we've done a, a proper <laughs> regular side quest. Uh, so let's see, uh, see what we, we get here. I'm giving the cards a little shuffle and ooh, it's a neuralizer. So this is where we are going to uh
2: erase a, a movie from our brain potentially to watch it for the first time. I think if I could go back and watch something uh film fresh for the first time, uh it would have to be Ridley Scott's Gladiator. From mm. geez, what year was that? Two thousand something. Ish. Or, yeah. yeah roundabout yeah that movie is i don't know it's just it's an it's another epic like i felt like it was it was trying to be up there with like ben-hur with it's just the scale of how many people involved and just the like the the visuals of whether it's the coliseum i mean granted a lot of it was cgi at the time but just like for the technology that they used and like the chariot racing and I will even say it the gore too. man just got me like the gladiator arena and he went through. He's fighting a tiger or he's fighting a fellow gladiator. Like, I don't know. I think I always Robin movies typically follow the same trajectory. I feel like it's always somebody who's in the military who gets screwed over, who then tries to get revenge and come out on top. But something about just the way they did it. I was like, this is really good. Um, and you I felt like you root for him uh for was it maximus (laughs) you root for russell crowe's character through like the entirety of the film and some really crappy stuff happens to a lot of the characters uh it's very i guess it's like game of thrones in that fashion like nobody's really safe you don't really know who's gonna make it out in the end but man like the music is is uh, it just swells in all the right places it gets you in like invested and like energized for what's happening on screen and it's just it's visually it's just stunning so i would have to i'd have to choose that
0: interesting pick because it's a movie that uh i was just whelmed by the first time i saw it um and mm-hmm. second time i saw it like i remember thinking like this is very good. Like this is a solid movie, but I was also surprised around award season. And of course I can't recall what it was up against. So like, it may have just been one of those, like, you know, years where the competition wasn't as like uh fierce as like other years. Um, mm-hmm. But I like Gladiator. Uh, I like, you know, gave us like, uh, I think a lot of us, our first glimpse of like Joaquin Phoenix, who's excellent. And of course, Russell Crowe's great. And like, I love that you mentioned the soundtrack because like it is just amazing. That is like the one aspect of that movie that to me that is like really persisted is like I, I listen to that soundtrack from time to time um, way more than I've seen the film. So uh, mm-hmm. I like that pick because like I I, I myself could stand to-, to like revisit it to see um, I had a really heartbreaking revelation about three years ago, and that was that Braveheart is not nearly as good as it as you remember. Or I mean, at least for me, like I was like, "Man, this this movie is uh, it's a solid seven point five. Like, this is not a 10. And like, if you had asked me, like, "Gun to my head, like, is brave? What 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 is Braveheart?" I would have said at least a nine. And like, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of disappointing, you know, a little bit. But that's 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 the nature of uh of art and kind of how it ages and things like that. So.
1: Um, yeah. when we uh, get into season two of screen quest we should definitely add a side quest category that's just what movie will you never watch again because you know you won't love it as much
0: <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. a very different conversation oh but that's yeah, a great first idea it. for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh have you seen gladiator before me
1: nope And that was my way of deflecting the fact that I haven't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Fine. (laughs) Um, It's one of those ones, like, again, because of my, like, you know, uh, opinion on it. Like, I I can kind of shrug that off and say, "Eh, it's fine.
1: It just, like, it's it's not a film anyone has recommended to me that knows my film tastes. And, mm -hmm. like, uh, when it was being, I guess, like, watched a lot just, like, by my peers and friends, I just. Not interested in it.
0: No, yeah, it's hard for me to really offer a strong opinion one way or the other. I think the score is great, and I think, will you hit the nail on the head when when you said like it is very much like it follows a little bit of like a template, uh and that like Spartacus, you know, the kind of disgraced military commander who like you know has to kind of rise through the ranks of like the the gladiator pits to like regain their honor. But um, it works. Like I, I just, I there are some thrilling sequences for sure, and uh, it is. It is satisfying in a lot of ways. Well, if you guys are ready, let's let's dive into Solaris. I'm very excited to talk about this because this is a movie I had not seen. I put it on there uh rather intentionally, like this in Stalker, because I was like, I want to challenge myself to like get something off the list of shame. So if you guys are good, you want to dive into Solaris?
2: Lego.
1: Let's
0: do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Engage. as always, uh <laughs> initial impressions and then uh i'm going to just kind of meander through this movie a little bit i suppose i should do a brief summary i guess uh because you know uh, i think this is i won't call it like an obscure movie but a, a film that maybe our listeners like uh, i would say like largely probably haven't seen like it's not as uh established as like a like you know a, a classic um it's a bit of a challenging film so I'm going to do my best here. So, here we go. Um, so, Solaris uh, is a Russian sci fi film directed by Andrei Tarkovsky in 1972. And I, I thought this was really interesting. The budget was like less than a million US dollars, which is pretty impressive. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, given like some of the stuff that they do, uh, it's based on a 1961 novel, the same uh, name by uh, Stanislaw Lem. And it is uh, essentially about a psychologist who is um, enlisted to uh, go up to a space station uh, orbiting a fictional planet by the same name of the title, Solaris, uh, to assess the mental health of the cosmonauts that are stationed there. Upon the arrival, uh, one of them is already dead. And has left sort of a final farewell message uh, because they were childhood friends. And the other two seem to be up to, um, I don't know, their own sort of individual things. And uh, quickly um, things go uh, a little bit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, sideways as uh, his deceased wife of t- uh, from 10 years prior appears in his bedroom uh, one evening he jettisons her via rocket out of the space station only to have her reappear uh i don't know if it's the following night but it's sometime in the near future and he sort of just kind of surrenders to her presence and uh really like in my opinion kind of falls in love like over all over again um and has like this chance of like redemption with uh, with their uh failed relationship uh a lot of other things happen um but essentially Uh, We learn that she is the manifestation of his memories as uh, created by maybe a being down again. We'll get into this like on the planet or the planet itself. But uh, she's a being made of neutrinos and is able to regenerate and uh, becomes more and more self-aware. And, uh, you know, I guess like human like uh, as the film progresses. Um, Kind of the culmination of uh, the story is um, she attempts suicide by drinking liquid oxygen fails because of the nature of her existence and uh, eventually convinces the two scientists to, uh, for lack of a better word, like execute her or like, and, you know, end her like euthanize her um, through uh, radioactive means, which had kind of been discussed earlier in the film. Uh, They, use uh, similar technology to uh, neutralize uh, whatever's causing the manifestation of these guests as they're called in the film. And uh, we get a nice little um, sort of monologue from our primary character, who is Chris uh, Kelvin, Kelvin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chris Kelvin, And he kind of dis- uh, is debating with himself if he should leave the station or go back to earth. We see what seems to be a reunion between him and his, uh, you know, aging father and only to, you know, basically have it uh, revealed at the end that uh, this is on the planet Solaris uh, on these little islands that have popped up ever since they've bombarded it with uh, some sort of type of radiation. So uh, that's that's the best summary I can (laughs) I can give kind of off the cuff. Uh, Did I miss anything that you guys would uh, note before we jump into the movie itself?
1: I thought that was great. Uh, uh, There was also the saddest birthday party in space ever. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Yes, I do want to talk about that birthday party. That's all that sticks out to me. <laughs> yes, I do want to talk about that that birthday party. But yes, there I think that is accurate. The saddest birthday party in, in space. I think the only thing that could have made it sadder is how uh, 9000 singing oh, <laughs> as he's being crazy. disconnected over <laughs> the characters having their discussions about humanity. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty accurate. Um, so let's jump into impressions. Again, I'm going to go to the bottom of my screen here. So we'll uh, just initial impressions, and then we can <laughs> kind of just freeform jazz it and talk about this movie because, wow.
2: Man, this movie was way too long. Um, I, <laughs> And I, I kind of had a suspicion going in it was going to be like that. Um, I, yeah, I think the pacing for me, I just didn't really think was... <sighs> was worth the amount of time that was spent on it i think overall the idea like i like the idea of the story i liked i remember enjoying the book um and oh, you've read the, I think the novel the, <laughs> yeah I so i actually i kind of <laughs> i probably went in the wrong order again but i definitely watched the george clooney version probably about a couple years back and then read the book after i watched the film Because I was interested to see if the book would talk more about what was going on than what the film does, because that one, the Clooney version is a lot more ambiguous, and doesn't even like really mention the ocean, or I feel like they never even go to the surface. Um, It's just all in the space station and what happens there. And so... Mm -hmm. Uh, the book kind of filled in the gaps, and then I, you know, when you talked about wanting to go back and watch the original, I thought, okay, well, maybe this one will be a little bit more true to that. And I think that it is, from what I can remember, I feel like it's it's much more true to the novel. But at the same time, sort of inserts a lot of, which I guess is very much we could talk about more is the director's style, which he was known for, which was like these really long takes, um, focusing a lot on nature. He kind of inserted that whole thing with Kelvin and his dad at the beginning and the end, because I don't really, I remember vaguely that Kelvin sticks around at the end, but I don't remember there being like a reveal that he was hallucinating his father. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that, but I don't remember there being like an intro with his dad and... um, some of the like the footage that they're watching about a previous um, character's involvement, Henri, I want to say baby uh, who had Burton I know oh Burton yeah yeah the pilot, the pilot? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so when Burton was there previously having like his the recording of his um uh just recount of the strange events that he saw on the planet, I think was sort of filling in for some of the like mission logs that Kelvin ends up reading in the novel. Uh, So I thought that was an interesting way to do that. But overall, it was like, man, this movie is just it just keeps going, (laughs) which I know is part of it. It's intentional. But for me, it just wasn't it wasn't my jam. So um, I kept kind of checking to see how far I was into it, unfortunately. But overall, you know, it's, it's good to see it just to, you know, if you're into the story, I'd say read the book first. If you're game, go to watch the film. And if you're curious what the recent version was with Clooney, then by all means. But overall, you just got to prepare yourself like 2001. It's going to be long. There's not going to be a lot of music. Um, unlike 2001, there's not going to be a lot of music for this. And uh, and yeah, very long.
0: <laughs> I was glad I split it. Uh, I'm not going to comment on my impressions quite yet, but I, I was glad I split it into two parts. I watched half of it you know, yesterday after the tournament. I was mm-hmm. quite tired, but I, I prepared a strong stiff drink. Because I did not drink at the <laughs> tournament yesterday I, you know, because I was having to run stuff and everything. So it was just water for me. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to have a stiff drink and um, we'll see if I can watch it all in one go. I will. And like I got to like where like the title, like said, like part two. And I was like, nope, uh, yep. I'm good. I'm good for now. <laughs> I will. Stiff I will finish this in good. the morning. And yeah. I did. I, I finished it uh, in the morning and I think it worked better that way. But uh, May, what did you think of it?
1: Uh, With regards to the length. I agree. It was very slow and very long, but I will say I do really appreciate a film that is over two hours that inserts an intermission. Like I think that should be a requirement (laughs) across the board. Um, I did not take advantage of the intermission, but I was glad they put it in there and it excused (laughs) the length a little bit for me. I see what Will is saying also about the kind of extended nature shots and even though it is unnecessary in terms of the larger plot. I actually did like that kind of prologue section on Earth because mm-hmm. it gave me a really good sense of just how just interested Kelvin kind of seemed in the whole project and how it, it built up a sense of kind of curiosity and dread in me for what they were going to go face and I appreciated having that before, you know, the movie just opened actually on the space uh, station. I I like the story a lot, and I think that it's strongest in those uh, scenes between Chris and, and Hari, and how you see their dynamic change as Hari becomes more and more of a rounded-out human. Um, but... Yeah, there's just like a lot of kind of unnecessary stuff. And I will say that there are moments when I was kind of shocked by the budget and moments I definitely was not. (laughs) For instance, the rain in that opening scene. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The quote unquote rain. I don't even know if
0: it was a rain machine. I feel like that might have just been somebody with their finger over a hose. (laughs) (laughs) Spraying it into the air. But yeah.
1: I kind of broke my suspension of disbelief at times, or I got irrationally upset by the weightlessness scene because they only had a couple things floating and they had like yep. liquid sitting and glasses on tables, yep. books, <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: candles. <laughs>
1: okay so you feel similarly well
2: <laughs> i would yeah i nitpicked the hell out of that scene i'm like what <laughs> it no <laughs> but then again i mean for 72 i'm like uh eh, you know again it's not i appreciated the book i do i did like that but yeah the but rest overall of it...
1: i i liked it i would not necessarily recommend this to most people though mm-hmm.
0: I, I will say for comparison, uh, in, you know, uh, 1968, so four years prior, the budget for 2001 A Space Odyssey was $10.5 uh, million, though. Um, you know, I won't say this is a shoestring <laughs> budget necessarily, but it's certainly uh, significantly lower. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I think that shows. Um, but no, yeah, like, I think so... I guess I'll, I'll I'll kind of jump right into my impressions. Like I think this is a challenging movie. Like I think this is a movie for like a Cinephile, right? Like if you're gonna recommend it. I think this movie would come with some uh context and some disclaimers. Um <clears throat> I've regularly seen this like in, you know, several top like hundred like, you know, movies, a list that include like uh foreign, you know, or international films. Um And like, I just never, I've been able to work up the courage because I, I knew that it was slow and long and like that it really demanded a lot of attention. And, um, I can say that I'm glad that I've, I've watched it and I really did enjoy, I enjoyed a lot of of, like what this movie had to offer. I do think there's a lot of fat around the, you know, the edges. Like, I think you could have probably had a similar effect with and and made this a little bit leaner um but it's not my vision so I, i can kind of respect that tarkovsky like wanted to do what he wanted to do i think it's it's very memorable there's several sequences in this that were very memorable to me and um i just i i think probably like the most striking thing to me was the influence that i see from this film and maybe this novel, like in other works of sci-fi that I really love, including like, you know, video games, even like, uh, like, well, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, like Dead Space, which is uh, one of my favorite, like survival horror, like video games, um, The Um, like the whole plot hinges on like a surprise twist that you're. Uh, wife who is like called you to the space station to look into something wrong is actually she's she's dead you don't know she's dead but like she's dead some spoiler for dead space i'm sorry um, Could you? And, and every time that you're <laughs> seeing her and communicating whether it's a manifestation of your psyche that like this artifact is sort of using to manipulate you and um so like i like i see that influence and like i have a lot of respect for it um, I also was quite shocked. Uh, the last th- this is the last thing I'll say before we kind of like you know get into it, um, in more detail by like how anti-space exploration this seems to be. Like at a time where like the space race was pretty fierce. Still, I think between America and the Soviet Union. Um, so I again maybe this is just my takeaway, but Tar- Tarkovsky does not seem to find much value. At least like as he's like you know, um, exploring the themes in this movie with the act of like exploring space. I think a lot of the themes kind of come down to like, we have everything we need here. Like humanity is the thing that we should look to, not like the stars. And um, I really like that. I kind of, I I vibe with that. And I'm with you, May, like the nature stuff at the beginning. When I finished this, um I went back and just watched like the opening like five minutes just because I was like, this is tranquil. like somebody make like a, a little like um YouTube like you know channel uh, one of those little vibe like things where like ambiance like with some good music and and this flowing water over the like the reeds and stuff i I would totally dig that. You already brought up something, may. so um let's talk about that birthday party um because <laughs> i I really like that. <laughs> um but like i'm gonna let you expound and then we'll kind of bounce. you know we'll we'll bounce off that like um let's talk about that birthday scene a little bit set us up with a little bit of context and then talk about why it was uh, was so striking for you
1: so there's been this growing tension through the movie between uh it's now i think is how you say it, his name now and uh sartorius uh kind of against chris and Hari because um Chris and Harry are basically just kind of focused on figuring themselves out and like this new weird relationship they're in. Whereas now and Sartorius are like, we all have jobs here that we're trying to actually finish and you're not doing your job, buddy. Uh, But now kind of like, I guess, extends an olive branch and being like, Hey, my birthday's tomorrow. Why don't we have a party in the library? (laughs) So uh, he, he sets up the time and place and then, um, you know, Chris and Hari and um, Sartorius are all there, and he ends up being an hour and a half late to his own party, so everyone's already in a bad mood.
0: On a space station with nobody else on it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's just them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> your list of excuses has got to be very, very small for that, but continue. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, well, Sartor- Sartorius does make the comment that, like, oh, maybe he's entertaining guests, which, yeah. like, ah. Uh, it it sounds just kind of like a minor like happy thing but then you realize like in the in the connotation of the film that means that oh some terrible memory or guilt from his past is manifested most likely in his room and he now has to probably kill that entity <laughs> before he comes to the party and when he shows up yeah he's looks like shit <laughs> and um to me it seemed pretty obvious that had been what he was dealing with so he gets there everyone's already in a bad mood and um, Sartorius and Chris kind of end up um, getting into a bit of an argument and then Hari tries to kind of take Chris's side and then Sartorius uh, snaps at her being like you're not a woman you're not even human and she goes off and cries and then Chris is upset and the whole thing is uh, ruined pretty much at that point
0: I love. I one of the things that like I I got like a little bit of a chuckle out of was like the reference to like this is all like some melodramatic Dostoevsky. Um, like I (laughs) love just like the self-referential, like acknowledging, like sort of like the connections to like Russian literature Mm -hmm. and Tolstoy. Sort of how yeah, Yeah. like how morose everything is, and um, I got a really good chuckle. It is a sad scene, like don't get me wrong, but um i kind of had that thought where i was like fuck man this is so like russian like in like russian literature and then somebody said that and i was like Ooh, okay like he knows it, <laughs> he knows that like that's like some of what the 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 where the conversation is sort of leading to and like what, what they're discussing like at least um so it gave me a little bit of a sense of relief um but uh
1: because it's a very uncomfortable scene otherwise
0: (laughs) oh my god yeah like it really I mean just the the sort of things that are being said and um when you think of a birthday party it's like a happy occasion and you're like okay this is gonna be a sequence where like they're gonna blow off some steam and maybe have some like some fun and like maybe like forge some bonds and like no that's not what happens
2: at all (laughs) what did you think of that scene well pretty much the same thing just self-referential and just uh just adding to the fact that i mean there's a lot of i felt like a lot of the dialogue was very like uh heavy-handed in the philosophical like debate that yes. sort of there's there's so many like philosophical questions that these characters hammer onto each other throughout this film and no one ever really answers any of them they just sort of like throw them out there as part of the dialogue And I get that. And I understand that that is valid. It is a valid question. But it's like you keep they could just keep throwing out more exposition about, you know, all of this and then asking what the meaning of life is and, you know, and uh, and dealing with their feelings. And don't get me wrong. If I was there, I'd probably be going through something similar. But uh, I think it was just it was frustrating that it just kept compounding over and over throughout the uh, leading up to that moment, too. And even beyond that, that they're everybody's sort of searching for answers and nobody will answer each other. Like even when Kelvin got to the station, he's asking, you know, um, snow and Sartorius like, well, I guess snow at the time, he hadn't seen Sartorius yet about what's going on. And, and snow doesn't tell him anything. He just sort of like and tells him later, like, I didn't say anything because I didn't think you'd believe me. So it's almost like they're just they're all sort of trying to find meaning and try to figure out how to to solve the problem. But they just keep arguing with each other or they end up frustrated and asking each other these questions and spinning their wheels and they're just all unhappy. And so, yeah, it was just it was very frustrating.
1: Yeah, I feel like it did a good job, at least kind of. Illustrating how when you're confronted with something that breaks your reality uh it it's really hard to focus on the pragmatic when you're like hold on hold on i have the pieces of my world view in my hands so i need to put this back together first cuz mm-hmm. otherwise nothing else is making sense so i kind of appreciated that but it did get really heavy handed at certain points and um i appreciated sartorius i think the most in that dinner scene cuz at least he's like the semi pragmatic one <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's uh he's the one that pretty much like from the get-go is like, oh, like just we're gonna blast her with some radiation, like, or uh how do you feel about doing an autopsy on <laughs> her? You know, I think that's notorious, right? That suggests that. Yes. Yeah. Um, like he has no emotional connection or like it's very clinical. Like um, just he acknowledges, you know, that Hari is there, but um does not really Want to engage on a human level with, you know, that entity, I guess we'll call it, but, um, but yeah, his pragmatism definitely, uh, I think allows for a little bit of, of comedy in that scene. And like I said, I just, I breathe a huge sigh of relief when they acknowledged, cause it's like, nobody talks like this. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, not naturally anyway. <laughs> and I, I like, I, I like that they don't answer a lot of those philosophical questions, uh, it's, I agree. Sometimes it is a bit heavy handed, but um, I think one of the things that really worked for me with, with this film was um, just like uh, asking those questions and leaving it up kind of to like the viewer and then like, you know, it makes it a little more like timeless, right? Because the context of when this came out is very different. You know, we're talking, uh, what did I say, 1972, I think, mm-hmm. um, versus like, you know, 2022, uh, very, very different circumstances. And maybe some of those answers would would differ depending on, you know, where you are in the world and what your circumstances are. So, uh, I one of the things that I, I wanted to touch on, because we just cut down with a whole entire month of horror stuff, is like, <laughs> uh, I was a little surprised by like how frightening and startling like some of the, the bits were, like disturbing uh, in this film. I That I did not really... Expect, uh, like I guess to like the degree that it like kind of ends up being, but um, did, did you guys uh react as viscerally? I think the one that really got to me was the uh, the oxygen liquid oxygen scene and then the resurrection, like, was like I thought, um, you know, with a close second being the panic where she comes through the uh, the aluminum door and cuts herself. But how did you guys feel about some of like the more, like, I guess, um what's the word i'm looking for oh gosh uh, my brain is fried after this weekend y'all uh i guess like scarier or like you know kind of like tense moments
1: i was kind of happy it went there i guess because i feel like in a lot of sci-fi horrible things are alluded to but oftentimes a death is someone just getting like ejected into space and you don't (laughs) (laughs) you don't see uh all too much of what happens um so i i was glad in a movie that is Asking these very heavy questions about what is, you know, the meaning of of life and humanity and the purpose of space exploration uh, that, you know, it, they got kind of intense with some of the body stuff and like the um, problems of having a body that uh, the entity inhabiting it doesn't really know or understand how it works or what to do with it. And it also doesn't quite work like a normal human body because it has this regenerative property it's just very bizarre and uncanny and unsettling um and I, i'd agree with you chris uh the when she's coming back from the um liquid oxygen poisoning it's quite alarming to see her body just kind of like slowly like piece by piece coming like back to life um and she looks kind of inhuman almost when she's in that twilight zone between being alive and being dead
0: and i think it's like it's like almost like uh, doubly disturbing because she's failed to take her own life um, as a result of having just existential terror about what her existence means and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, like this, this entity like can't even, you know, like end its existence, like, which seems really horrible to me. Like that, like you wouldn't even have that choice. Like if you wanted it, right. Like, um and i don't mean to like sound like i'm glorifying like suicide or anything like i'm certainly not but like it's just I, I find that concept to be really disturbing that like this entity like is in such pain um that it makes that choice and then like isn't even able to like have that consequence and is just sort of stuck in existence and is, it has to basically resort to you know the two scientists to um help uh it you know and uh it's, exi- its existence which it wants to do because of you know just the, the pain and sort of confusion you know there's a lot of confusion but oof, yeah, i just found that whole thing really really uh disturbing
1: i was just gonna <laughs> add it's especially dark given that like on a mental level she's kind of like referred to as a child at separate points especially in the beginning when she can't be like left alone she hurts herself if she's left alone and that kind of thing yeah.
0: The first scene where we get like a glimpse of like one of the guests uh was probably (laughs) another one. I wouldn't say I found it disturbing. I literally screamed out like what the fuck? Because I may have like, you know, I I had finished my couple fingers of whiskey. Um, but when Sartorius is is talking to Chris and then like (laughs) A little person just, like, runs out and, like, (laughs) is, like, scooped up. And, like, nobody reacts to it, really? Like, other than he just, like, scoops them up and chucks them in the... the Like, I was like, what the fuck (laughs) is happening? Like, is no one going to, like, mention this? Like, what's
1: going on? Um, Yeah, the the interactions when uh, Chris first gets to the space station are just so weird. And that's probably the weirdest one, but... Uh, the way they talk to each other is just especially uh disjointed and odd, and you kind of expect that from the two guys that have been there a while and going through this. But for Chris, it's just kind of like, what, what suddenly happened to you, Bud? Like, are are the clouds already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your head? I suppose you
0: you could infer maybe there's like some because uh I, that whole space travel scene leading up to him his arrival at the station. It's almost like he's coming out of like I don't know if either of you have ever been under like anesthesia, but that's what it felt like to me where mm-hmm. they're like, oh like you're already like you're traveling like and like you know like he seems to be a little confused and um mm-hmm. and disoriented and uh that, that's what it run me it was like anesthesia, but um so maybe yeah, that would account for some of it uh what <laughs> which brings me to another point what did you think of the state of that place like i i don't know like if that was just like (laughs) i I imagine it's intentional in the set design but it didn't look great like as far as like uh organization and cleanliness like there's just shit everywhere um (laughs) what do you think of
2: the space station design and the general state of the place oh it's like he comes what kelvin comes on board walks around a corridor and there's something sparking and all he does is just like pull the the cable out and just leaves <laughs> it like okay we're, we're good now it's not on fire anymore that's that's all that matters and just keeps strolling along yeah there's like trash debris some like random computers it looks like or something that are sort of like at weird angles when he goes like a, around like floods. the promenade yeah. yeah and then sometimes they're not there and sometimes they are I guess depending on where he is so yeah it is the the organization or lack thereof is very strange and yeah then he goes to his own room which is very like well put together like nobody's messed with anything in there so but there's like plastic on every like on the bed there's like weird plastic sheeting on the bed and then like leather chairs and so like the whole like i don't know like there's just very strange aesthetics to everything on the show i agree with you
1: what did you guys think of his initial fit
2: (laughs) (laughs) his his initial (laughs) fit you said
0: yes (laughs) yeah um gosh I don't I don't know um yeah i i feel like understandable like given the circumstances it kind of fit the vibe <laughs> <laughs> everything was gone i don't know like i at the we'll get to that point in the movie like i was just like um sure like i'm pretty i surrender myself to like i would say like once i got like 45 minutes into this thing where i was like i'm just i'm not gonna resist like i'm, I'm gonna just, i'm gonna take the ride <laughs>
1: Um, I just feel like it, they were trying to go for, like, what's what's the space aesthetic? I know, like, super tight pants with different, like, weird loops on them and a mesh shirt. And it's like, I would see that in a club today. Um, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't fit with any of the other costuming, which is, like, very, like, pastoral European. And it just... <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what I vibe with like hundred percent though was like that uh, that country house man like in the beginning like
1: oh yeah <laughs> like,
0: um and even though like the rain effects were stupid like um there was something really satisfying I don't know my brain's weird so just it's uh, that ASMR bear, kicking in like bear yeah. with me yeah the rain falling into like the tea and stuff like um yeah. that like like the shot of the close up of like the rain just like going to there I was, like I don't know I was like man this is I don't know what this is but it's really making me feel very relaxed right now and just that whole like i'm like yes like i i will retire there please like give me a little library a little projector and uh you know a nice little doggo and um, um yeah and a little pond absolutely i love that
1: they kind of uh had a meta moment in the movie too when someone's like oh i love your house yeah like i had it modeled <laughs> after so and so's house or whatever i really love it what do you guys uh
0: think of like sort of the anti like space technology like message of this like I, I i'm really shocked that i don't know how much oversight like the soviet government would have had like in 72 for art um you know um, especially something like this that went to con and had like sort of like wide exposure to like the the world um but i was a little surprised because i'm like damn this seems antithetical to like what the sort of projection of like what the, the what the society is trying to do at the time um that really surprised me. But what what did you guys think of that? Like did the sort of the, the did you get the same impression or did you have a different take? First of all, I guess this is probably a better question.
1: I disagree personally. Um, for me, there, there is a line about how humans. I don't know if, if the word unfit is used, but basically saying that humans are unfit for space exploration because we don't really seek to explore and understand. We just seek to expand the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I think is a valid critique uh, you, you see that today with our U.S. Space Force and uh, <laughs> things like yes. that. Um, but I don't think that's saying that therefore, you know, all space exploration is bad. I think it's saying that um, we as humans maybe need to grow a bit and shift our thinking um, to successfully explore and actually make meaningful connections. And I I feel like this whole movie is about like the difficulty but value of making a connection with an entity you don't understand and can't understand you, um, and like that may not go well, but it's 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 worth trying. Yeah, I that love that. My take, like at least
0: the line of like what humanity needs is a mirror. Like I think that's like, because. Kind of going back to that that uh, the resurrection scene, um, there's like a very striking shot of her like face, like in a mirror and like the reflection, kind of, you know. And uh, I think largely these projections are, you know, it's an inward peak. Uh, they they kind of act as mirrors, right, for the people that have manifested them. So, um, but yeah. Well, how about you? What, what did you make of the kind of like the thematic stuff? Cause I have no idea what we're in store for for Stalker, but I feel like, you know, we should talk about some of these <laughs> themes and see what pops up um, as we go into the next movie. So,
2: watching this film sort of in a nutshell made me feel like the same way I did watching Sphere, like the Michael Crichton mm. um, book that also got turned into a film, that you kind of need to work through your feelings. You gotta work, you gotta, you gotta work on yourself before you ever try to go out. And be put in a situation where whatever you're thinking can be like made manifest. So, or exploring the unknown and not inadvertently, like, cause they talked about like, what did they do? They wanted to bombard the surface with like x rays or some random thing. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just like, so do you not think that maybe they thought you were attacking them? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, or just the idea that, going out you need to be careful that what you that anything that you go out and you touch you will influence some way just as much as you're trying to observe what's going on and sort of the i guess reflected a little bit in that very clinical behavior that sartorius has where it's detached and he doesn't even care that it's that it could be a sentient creature he just wants to understand it and is ready to like murder it and Um, dissect it or you know analyze it and that to me was like the the other extreme you got the on the one hand that everybody's just sort of they're either paralyzed by their own despair or they want to fight it and do something to stop it and so there's no there's no real attempt beyond that to try and communicate it's all just defensive and that to me, I I guess was what I took away from sort of what humanity has to work through before it ever tries to go beyond its own home.
1: I, I was just gonna add that um I guess it's also says so something about humanity that at the end of the day they can't fight it or don't really fight it. It's the entity saying, I don't like this semi human existence. Please end it. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> That's uh it's a little bit grim um for sure and uh and like that's their best shot like presumably for the three people that are on the ship too because it's the person that has the most intense uh connection with like a memory right presumably and that's why i selected and like even that like um intense connection and nostalgia and love is not enough to make the entity want to go like you know yeah i i think i can hang around here for a bit and get to know <laughs> you, know, get to know you. It doesn't particularly like what it sees. What do you guys think the ending of that the movie means? So we, you know, we, the entity is eradicated. They bombard the surface of the ocean with radiation, which results in these planets. And, um, i guess like on a surface level do you think that is actually chris down there or is it like a version of himself that's manifested from you know the memories that are I don't, pulled inward or towards the planet or whatever however all that stuff works or is it actually him and his father and like what what do you think that like uh is meant to kind of uh imply i guess at the end of the movie because i was thinking about this a lot and i, I it's very ambiguous
2: and um I think there's, uh, it'd be interesting to hear your interpretations of that for sure. First, I really like your idea that maybe he's not really him (laughs) because I hadn't thought about that where it's just, he's just a recreation of Kelvin Mm -hmm. Um, because to me that would be very like christopher nolan ask <laughs> yeah like he apparently this inspired uh
0: interstellar big time i guess and uh, inception a little bit i read like both nice. of those drew
2: inspiration but sorry continue well there was so there's like one random quote that i that i was reading back through about how it's something like chris had said something to the effect of he didn't want to be a solarist who never set foot on solaris i think mm-hmm. maybe so i feel like in that respect Because he said he did want to stick around, and he did want to try and understand what was going on on the surface. I feel like it is him, but I guess it is vague enough that you're not really sure. And I think more to your point, too, like, even from the beginning, he's done his, you know, it's just, it's so sort of surreal the entire way from when he's on earth to when he gets there. And you never really see the craft that he uses to get there. All you see is when he's on like final approach to come into the station. So I don't know. It's, it's sort of ambiguous too, about just where he came from and how he got there and if he's really still there. But I feel like, I guess from the surface level of it, that he probably did stick around and that, that really is him on the planet, but he's just sort of lost in his, his memory about what it was like back on earth as he's trying to figure out what's going on down there would be my, my interpretation.
0: So you're thinking it's more like scientific curiosity mixed with a little bit of like, I mean, obviously it'd be very difficult to be absent of emotion as you're engaging Mm -hmm. that. That's what you're saying. Like not necessarily that he's like there to stay, but like, you know, sort of confronted with this vision right like um the ties because there's like a lot of regret right like in those opening Mm -hmm. scenes like the conversation with his father and him before he leaves you get Mm -hmm. the sense that there's some regret right and some sadness about the fact that they may not see each other again and things they didn't do um may i'd love to hear your take on on that that final sequence and what it may mean
1: well first i have a question uh, I've not seen the other movie or the book, so this film is all the context I have. Did they blast the entire planet with radiation or just Hari? Because I remember they also sent like uh Chris's encephalogram down to the planet, and they said that the projection stopped when they did that. I could
0: I be wrong. can double check. I-, I interpreted it as like they got rid of Hari, and they decided to also go with the whatever it was called like the annihilator kind of thing mm-hmm. um as like sort of like the next step um let's see No, mate you're right so it is like his they broadcast his brain waves to solaris mm-hmm. so they they use the annihilator on her it's like kind of like an isolated thing and then they send his brain waves down so you are 100 percent correct well done i, I misunderstood <laughs> i misunderstood um, no you're which, good again, you're good out of context, if uh, for listeners, like uh, if you watch this movie, you'll understand how it probably be easier, like, <laughs> <laughs> to do that. <laughs> but continue. so that's a great point, though, May, because um, I, I can uh, kind of see where where you could go with that. So continue,
1: because that that changes my answer. Because if it understands him, then to me, I think it's going to start kind of modeling like him and his brain. If his ocean is basically a giant brain so Mm -hmm. then i think it is quite likely that um i I mean i'd be kind of split then because it could very easily just be the solaris version of him on this little island in his new ocean of brain uh (laughs) or (laughs) or it could be him being like great this world is me it was literally built for me i'm going to go live here now um so yeah i don't know which one it is but uh there is going to be a tie between Chris and the planet uh, I think for the, the rest of eternity essentially
0: what a weird uh concept too that like this planet is kind of a living entity, you know like in that it doesn't necessarily have at least from what we can discern from just the film um the the novel might um add more context, but like any kind of personality of its own like that it, it in and of itself is a mirror like. Which is something that is discussed, you know, in the film for whatever is around it. So we get Burton's story, right, where secretly I was like, that sounds like the star child from 2001, a space odyssey that you saw there, like Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) where, uh, you know, he he sees this like massive manifestation of a uh, of a child like floating um in the the sky uh below the the viscous uh foggy surface or whatever i don't know the whole description was wild Mm -hmm. um but even that is like something that came from somebody else um so i think that's just it's a really cool design number one and i i totally fell on the, the the side of like this is um the planet is taking bits and bobs from his brain um and that's where the what these islands are, or maybe like individual memories, or like compartments from his, you know, brain and existence, and uh, it's doing the best to kind of reconstruct it. I didn't suspect that it was he was on Solaris, but I knew something was wrong when there was just water pouring through the ceiling, and there was just like a <laughs> stack of books. Where I was like, "Ooh, he's like hallucinating." At the very least, he's hallucinating this. Like something is like really off with this, and uh, I kind of like that because that surreal quality rang true to me where like this is like if a maybe like not entirely sentient like entity was like trying to make sense of in the entirety of somebody's existence like as transmitted from their brain it probably would be a little bit off right like there would be things that wouldn't understand and would get wrong so um but i really like the the link to the final uh from like i'm oh, sorry in the final scene to the first like you know uh the opening like in that house and and uh, sort of that like idyllic um environment and uh the absence of the mother uh I, I gotta ask you what do you what do you think that that's all about right like because she mm-hmm. seems to be a, a pretty formidable character as we learn more about her as the, as the movie unfolds why is the mom not there do you think is that like a subconscious desire like you know uh <laughs> he'd be happier without her around or like i like i i don't have an answer for it but uh i'd be curious to hear your thoughts
1: Well, Hari isn't there either, and Mm -hmm. I I think we have, I have a lot of questions at least about how this whole uh, world ocean brain works, but um, it could be that an island is like a single neuron or whatever, and it stores this one memory, and you'd have to go to a different island to have a different memory, something like that, Um, because it does seem like from the intro that his mom died at some point previously
0: that's a good point hari's absence is uh is felt in that scene because you spent so much of the the movie up to that point once it gets going um with her made so you got to make a, a final judgment call here is that him or is it not him <laughs> 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 uh,
1: i love to live in uh gray zones twilight zones you could call them and i will uh, uh say it could be either or both
0: oh, you, you, yeah, all right fine keep your, <laughs> keep your secrets <laughs> <laughs> as Frodo would say, uh, that's fine.
1: I would love to like hear your uh, thoughts on Hari just kind of like as a character, but also as like she kind of shifts from how we first see her just appearing in the chair to like her final off-screen moments. Because I think that journey is very interesting, um, both in how it relates to like her development, but also in like her relationship with Chris.
0: Honey, she, she to me she's the ultimate manifestation of like being confronted with like your guilt and regret like this movie seems to really really embrace like the idea of regret um and i think his initial reaction of like sort of jettisoning her uh jettisoning her like via rocket like out of the space station is um just a great sort of like metaphorical and actual like reaction of like not wanting to Deal with that, right? And like, you kind of get a little like sense from like their discussions about what the, what her past entailed, like in their relationship, that um he flees, right? He he like walks away and leaves, and I like sort of doesn't want to be confronted or deal with the reality of of, of the relationship. And I think that uh, the scene with the rocket is sort of um, just a, a natural progression of that, where he's like, no, 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 no like I I I I do not want to deal with this, like. And um, I, I I like that uh, he's kind of forced to um, whether or not he has any sort of peace um, at the conclusion of all this, I think is sort of questionable. But um, I do like uh, that in a way she's almost like this specter that uh, because she, as you pointed out, like cannot be left alone. And so (laughs) she is physically always in close proximity to him. And um, I found that very haunting, Um, but I also found it kind of sweet. Um, It was it was like almost therapeutic for him to be able to vocalize where their relationship sort of soured and what happened and to kind of confess that, uh, like, no, um, I didn't. Love you then, uh, but now like I do love you, and like you can kind of question whether that is even like true or not, you know, or is he just sort of like is is the guilt kind of making him feel that way? But um, I thought that was a very interesting uh journey, and and I like I love that that character, and like I said the standout scene for me is the one behind will there, um, because I found it so just uh,
2: disturbing and and heartbreaking in a way. I'd have to agree. um I think that the I like. I mean, in this it, this version, does a good job of that. I think the Steven Soderbergh, George Clooney version also conveys that really well. I did find it interesting, though, how quickly the psychologist is like ready to launch his ex dead wife out of the ship, like through the <laughs> <laughs> like that's like his go to thing. He doesn't really pause very long, and he's just like, "Nope, not doing this." <laughs> Hey, come over here for a minute. No, it's fine. Yeah, just just come over here. It's cool.
1: He's <laughs> so calculating. The...
2: Yeah, <laughs> like he is like very just no, this is not happening. And but I don't know. It was weird to me that he was just he immediately jumped on doing that. I don't remember that being like the go-to thing in the book. I felt like it built like it built up a little bit more to that. And even in like the remake. Uh, the Clooney one I feel like it was there was just a little bit more that was there that built up to it so that it was even more of a shock when he does that that you're just like oh shit like no what are you what what no <laughs> you know and she in the Clooney version like you see her expression when he closes the door and she just like floats on out so that uh yeah I think her character um it's Hari in in this one but I'm sorry, I'm skipping around on my on my tabs over here. It's Hari in this one, and then it's Rhea is her name in the book and in the remake with Clooney. Um, but I think she is the most interesting character um, for what she goes through, sort of her trying to understand her own existence. And then, like you mentioned too, I think it's I'm, I'm going to have to be the third person to copy you guys on that. The scene where she resurrects after drinking the O2, man. It's like, that is... <sighs> The acting man is just like it is the best in the film with like the most disturbing part of the film, and so yeah, she is. Is it Natalia? I'm gonna butcher the name, so I apologize, but Natalia Bandarchuk or Bandar- Bandarchuk, who is like she is awesome. So yeah, that's all I got. <laughs>
1: yeah, I uh agree with everything you two have said. Um, I also feel like. With, I, I'm also a bit dubious that he actually does love uh, Hari 2.0, but I do think it's interesting that she starts out as very literally just a reflection of his impression of her, and mm-hmm. she is very two dimensional and. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of I'm I'm reminded of all the like dead wife montages in film she's kind of like a living version of that (laughs) just like sitting and smiling and you know being the perfect doting wife Um, and I think it's interesting that that's the version that Chris is immediately repulsed by and tries to yeet off the space station (laughs) 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 and it's only it's only when she comes back again and starts to he's kind of forced to acknowledge that um she has a lot more going on than just that limited perception he used to have of her um like that's the version that he's struggling with letting go of so i think that's very interesting because i i say that's it's a reflection of her state as kind of like a a a new being learning the world but I, i think also a reflection of the fact that yeah when a relationship takes a turn like that the version of the other person you're seeing like usually isn't that full person anymore and i think the heart-wrenching part for chris is just realizing that um the version of his memory wasn't like her in her entirety at all
0: is that why maybe he can fall in love with like this one and like if we if we go if we you know assume for a second that he does love her is it because she's like her like like a different person right like it like truly has become you know a, a, autonomous like different version of the same woman right with like her own thoughts and feelings and experiences
1: I think so and I think that's the only like reason I could see him actually falling in love with this version of her because otherwise I'm also very dubious
2: <laughs> yeah I don't also- know I, I I feel a little bit the other way I feel like he's just I feel like it's very selfish but that that just might be me coloring the film with my own mirror is I feel <laughs> like the characters are all very selfish and self-centered and they can't get past So I think for him, it's just regret. I think he's just trying to process his regret about her and then seeing her do these things to herself. It's like, he wasn't there when, when she passed away the first, like the, the real her passed away or the real Hari, I guess, from his memory passed away. So it's just this regret that he wasn't there that then when he sees it, actually physically sees it happening that I think that for him is where maybe he he almost he wants to he wants to love her he wants to like make amends for it and so I feel like that's probably where it's driving from that's just my impression though so I would much rather it be the happier version of (laughs) yes he he understood that he needed to be a better person and he liked he liked uh this version of Hari but I don't know
1: as as with most things, I think that it's probably a mix.
2: A- ambiguous is uh, <laughs> the name of the game with this movie. Yeah, I did feel really sad though. Just as an end note, like when she was like when they told her told him that she was gone and that he didn't see her go again, that that was like, I don't know, that was just really sad. She so wrote a note the...
0: to him, kind of explaining,
2: yeah. I guess, a little bit.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. If that
1: ex- real sorry that's yeah. True. yeah that's so a great sorry. point no
0: yeah that, that's a great point could be like yeah, yeah 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 you uh you had a fever and um yeah she wrote you this note and like it's like clearly the handwriting of Sartorius. <laughs> dear chris um i always hated you goodbye <laughs> <laughs> um did they ever explain why he was like sick why he gets the fever um chris i mean like, I uh, he comes down with, like that. That's sort of like the plot device that uh, allows, sort of like, the, the weird passage of time and all that. I just want to make sure I, I didn't miss that
1: lack of sleep, maybe, but that's yeah. the only thing I saw. Yeah.
0: Okay, I was making yeah, sure, sure, uh, because we already um, established that I totally <laughs> I missed oh, the, no, <laughs> the radiation plots. Uh, like, yeah. Uh... But I again I, I'm I'm willing to own that. Um, just because of like there's a lot of technical jargon thrown around and like discussions and musings on what they should or shouldn't do. Well, that is film number one uh down for Andre Tarkovsky. Uh, again, I appreciate you both bearing with me. I, I will be honest, I had a little bit of anxiety as I well was watching this. So I was like, oh man, I have no idea how Will or Bay are gonna <laughs> react to this because it is very slow and weird but um you know it's one of those things that i think is like it is in the pantheon and as is our next film stalker of like great films especially russian cinema which um you know had uh has a, has a really interesting history um so i i'm excited to see stalker um some themes to look out for i have not i promise like google or wikipedia anything but like I'm automatically going to be looking out for like nature versus sort of like science and technology and then like regret and guilt. But uh, what else did you guys pick up on? Like what what is on your radar as you watch a, a film that's supposed to be thematically close to Solaris and have some evolution of ideas. I'd be curious to get your take on that before we wrap the episode.
1: Disjointed philosophical language. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like that's the same uh... bet. <laughs> And I say that lovingly. (laughs) Lots
2: of unhappy people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I certainly don't like I don't want to have this come across as like stereotyping like, you know, people of the Soviet Union, the 70s. But like historically what I've read about that time and place like that kind of makes sense to me like a little bit um but i could be wrong but i i haven't put it this way i've not come across a lot of russian literature or films that are happy go lucky in nature at all <laughs> so <laughs> i feel like that is probably a very sound prediction uh for stalker uh anything else any any other uh themes uh you're on the lookout for as we we go into uh, to our our second and final film of this director drill down you said it was how long again? <laughs> it's about the same length. Uh, he oh, loves yeah. His, he loves long his like, two hour,
2: 45 minute films. Yeah. We might um, get this... another scene where we go on the highway for about two to three minutes and just kind of oh, cruise. Jesus. I was like, is this <laughs> looping? Like, what is going on? Like, yeah. Um, um,
1: yeah. Oh, uh, randomly switching between color and black and white.
2: I uh, actually <laughs> glad you mentioned that because I was what Yeah, I completely forgot. But yes, that. Yeah
1: long panning shots great. that don't like cut the time between characters walking to each other you just you just watch them walk
2: <laughs>
0: I I did speaking of like some of the camera stuff I did love the cinematography and there were some great little trick shots and like disorienting stuff I think that's really mm-hmm. good so I'm hoping for more of that in stalker where like I got like lost a little bit with like where people were and like what was like you know like the orientation of things. Um, I, if it makes you feel any better, I do know stalker is regarded as the better movie, like in most circles, like okay. tends to place a little bit higher and, um, is like, I've seen some, some, uh, some shots from it on some of the Twitter film accounts and it looks stunning. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. Cool. And then there's a video game coming out, uh, next year, hopefully if the fighting in Ukraine settles down, And I hope for the people in Ukraine and the people in Russia, it does, um, uh, settle down. But um yeah, there was a, a video a PC video game and this is gonna be a sequel. I think it's called Stalker Two. So um mm. it'll nice. give me some context for what that is and maybe I'll do like a little little stream at some point of playing the original. Yes. And- see how it uh, how it all holds up and connects and all that good stuff so well that that about desert for for this week uh we'll we'll be splitting this into kind of a 0. 0.5 again you know um to just make it more palatable for for us and for for you guys not to have to watch two movies uh per week so we're building uh, our... in an
1: intermission <laughs> yeah exactly we're building in <laughs> an
0: intermission i love that um so you know the next episode will be a continuation of this the director drill down it'll be like you know whatever episode i forget what take we're on at this point but 0. 0.5 and it'll be Stalker. so um yeah, hope you guys check it out and enjoy it and until next week we we love you bye bye, bye guys